Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. I only have one thing to say about today's episode. Dolly Parton. That's right, the one, the only Dolly Parton is my guest today. And holy cow, I can't even believe I actually just said that sentence. That's insane. I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing Dolly because Dolly Parton requires zero introduction. But I do feel like maybe I should tell you a little bit about what Dolly means to me so that you can understand maybe where I'm coming from with this chat. You see, I was this very colorful little kid, shocker there, who had interests that other kids just weren't into. You know, like at lunch, other kids would be talking about like some action movie or sports thingy. And I was talking about Dolly Parton's appearance on that one episode of Designing Women. Yeah, I was that kid. who The kid who was like more interested in female celebrities than I ever was about, well, anything else. <laughs> and you can imagine how isolating that can feel for a little kid because no other kid shared what I was into. No other kid cared about these women. Their mothers did, but the kids had no idea who I was talking about. It took growing up and finding other friends, let's be real, other gay dudes, who had the same experiences that I did And that one experience we shared was that Dolly Parton's message of love and inclusion helped us get through some of those hard times and showed us that the thing that makes us quote unquote different is actually kind of our strength. I mean, shoot, I've made a career out of obsessing over celebrities like Dolly Parton. My love for her and other icons like her is actually kind of my superpower. So to be able to get the opportunity to talk with her, wow, it's just a dream come true, a literally a real pinch me moment. And to talk with her now as she embarks on a brand new endeavor, releasing her first rock album called Rockstar, it's just everything. I really encourage you to go listen to her track with Miley Cyrus. They did a cover of Miley's Wrecking Ball and added flavors of Dolly's classic I Will Always Love You. And it's just, it's a beautiful version. It's poignant. It says so much about these two women and the similarities between them and combining those two songs, both pivotal songs in both of their careers. It's just an everything moment. You really need to go listen to the album. Now, if you need a visual component to help you, you can also pick up Dolly's book, Behind the Seams. That's Behind the Seams, S-E-A-M-S, My Life in Rhinestones, which features so many amazing photos from her life and career. I mean... Just all of the rhinestones. Please just throw them at me. Throw them at my face. I want all of the Dolly rhinestones. Okay, enough of me. It's time for Dolly. So go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with Dolly Parton. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I have to tell you before I even ask any questions that I first became aware of you when I was a little, little kid watching Designing Women on that one episode where you played an angel and I became obsessed with you i would dress up as you in the house i mean literally you were everything from that one episode it was just oh, everything from are since you still then. dressing like me <laughs> yeah uh-huh yep still oh, am yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah exactly That's exactly well, thank you of, of course of course well, that, I feel that, like that was so a many- fun show i saw that uh i guess last year and i totally mm-hmm. forgot about it and i'd say oh that was such a fun show yeah i feel like so many people have that story that one moment where they sort of like saw you and discovered sort of you know you basically and became obsessed with you in a lot of ways and i feel like also you have this way even during like polarized times of unifying different types of people like you know left right black white gay straight male female like everybody kind of loves dolly and what i wanted to know is how do you create such common ground for yourself but also like for your audience well ain't there a song was it whitney houston there's a song called i am everybody (laughs) or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well i kind of feel like i am everybody i feel for everybody because i grew up in a big family i got six brothers and five sisters very close to aunts, uncles, and and so I always feel like I know everybody I meet. I, I see, I see my family and everybody, and I think people just sense that kind of in me that I'm, I'm just out to love them. I'm just out to have fun and and uh, and expect good things from myself and uh, from people. But I don't. I'm just a friendly sort of person too. You know, I never meet a stranger. I think that has a lot to do with growing up. You know, in the country in a big family like that too. So I feel like people feel that they know me and I feel like they do. I'm just myself. Definitely. I mean, I've always felt that about you. And that's, I mean, that's the other thing that you've kind of, because you're so relatable and what you do, I mean, we love what you do and you're kind of a disruptor of genres in a lot of way, even now with this rock album. I mean, you're defying sort of expectations about what we think of as Dolly in a lot of ways. And I wanted to know if you, if you feel like you're kind of a disruptor of genres in that way, like, do you actively try to challenge what people expect of you? No, I do not. I just do what I, what my heart is telling me to do at that time. But I'm really happy that I did this rock album because I used to think that someday I might like to do a rock and roll album because I've done rock songs in different albums and my husband's a big rock fan and i used to think well maybe someday i'll do a rock and roll album and years went by and i thought yeah i'm probably too old to do it now but then when they put me in the rock and roll hall of fame i just felt like that was my perfect chance to go ahead and do it because the timing was perfect and i loved the songs that i had you know grown up listening to with my husband and myself and so it it was just like the perfect storm it's like one of those things where everything fell right in my lap and I'm not one to 
to not make the most of any good thing that falls in my lap. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it was just the right time, and I'm real proud. I think this is some of my best work, actually. And I, I challenged myself as a vocalist. I didn't really know how how good I would be or not good, but I tried really hard, and I had a great producer in Kent Wells, and I was very comfortable with Kent because I've worked with him for years. He's been my guitar player and my musical director for over 30 years now. And I knew he was a, he was a closet rock and roller. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought he's the one that's going to produce this album on me. And so we wrote some things together and, uh, I took this load of songs and we just did, I think, uh, a really good album. Yeah, the album is great. I really, really enjoyed it. It's, it's, I listened to every single one and it's just incredible. What, I wanted to know, because this is, I mean, I can hear that you challenged yourself in a lot of ways on this album. Were you nervous at all to tackle any of these classic rock songs? And like specifically, what, like, were there any songs that worried you the most? Well, uh, I wasn't going to choose songs that was going to worry me. And I don't think I was scared. I was a little apprehensive, mostly that I wanted to make sure that I could sing these songs good and, and do them justice. And I didn't, I wanted to make sure the rock field, the people in rock, uh, appreciated me. You know, I'm, I'm not, I wanted it to be, I wanted to do my best, of course. And I wanted to be true to the songs and true to that, that art form, which it is an art form. I realized that when I was singing, you know, there's, there's a formula to, you know, to that. Rock and roll where there's on the beach, staying on the beat and not doing what I'm always used to singing whenever and wherever I please and however I want to do it. <laughs> but in rock, you got to stay on the beat and stuff. You can't do what you can in, in country music. But, um, it was a challenge, I guess, challenge. It was challenging, I guess, to a, to a degree because I did want it to be good. But when I got in there with my headphones and got to singing the songs, uh, I think, well, I'll think I'm going to be able to do this. I didn't even realize, uh, you know, that I could really do some of the stuff vocally that I did because I'm used to singing most of my own songs. And of course I can sing mine or every now and then I'll sing outside stuff. But I thought, now this has to be good because my butt is on the line here. I've said, I'm going to do a rock and roll <laughs> album and you better do it good girl. You know, it was like one of those things, but I thought it turned out good. And Kent was great with me. Uh, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, he was real helpful. But when I was hearing, hearing myself in the headphones, I was thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm doing okay here on some of them better than others. Some of them I thought, well, do I dare reach for that? Just like when the, <laughs> on the stairway to heaven, when I decided mm-hmm. to just, you know, I was singing right along and I, I wasn't ever thinking that I was going to try to do that. And when we walk on down the road in that key, you know, yeah. and I thought, ah, oh, hell, I can do that. You know, so if Robert Plant can do that, I can do that. So I just went for it. And so it was kind of fun for me because I did it on a demo scale and nobody had to ever hear it if I didn't want them to. I did it in secret. Yeah. Nobody knew I was actually doing it. So I just, you know, when it was all done, I thought, hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm real proud of this and had all those great artists. And I had a little support. Yeah. I mean, so many amazing artists. I also feel like that that's sort of the definition of your career where you kind of are like, I can do that. Like, I feel like I get that from so much of what I love about Dolly is that, well, you know, you might not think I can do that, but I can do that. You know, 
<laughs> well, that's kind of my attitude, and I'm willing to try anything. And what's worse going to happen if I can't do it? So what? At least I tried. You know, I'm You're still Dolly. Person. Yeah, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. try. But actually, uh, a lot of these great artists that I I was so happy that I got to to know them, got to work with some of them personally. Most a lot of a lot of the music we we did they had to do in their studios, and we talked back and forth, and you know we sensed things back and forth. But some of them I actually got to work with, you know, on the spot, and that was a thrill too. Yeah, I mean, I was amazed at the caliber. I mean. I'm not like shocked because I don't think anybody turns down a call from Dolly Parton, but I was amazed at how many amazing people are on this album with you. How did you decide who to ask? And did anybody turn you down? Like, did anybody? Uh, no, I had a lot of people I wanted to be on the, on it, but uh, we couldn't work it out as far as their timing and uh, and mine because we had we had a, a time limit. We had to be done by a certain time. And some of the ones that really wanted to be on it, uh, they were either in, on tour, they were doing an album of their own, so it just didn't work out. But I can honestly say I was very honored and flattered because I hate to ask anybody to do anything. And I, I, it was not easy for me to even ask them because I didn't want them to feel like they, you know, had to say no. So I went mostly through my manager to, for the initial uh, thing because the managers work with their managers and all. And I wrote a letter to them or, you know, a note to them saying, you know, would you, you know, I'd love you to join me, but I didn't want to be on a spot with me saying, Hey, will you sing on my record? I didn't want to do that, but they all just wrote back. You know, or, or got contacted me and saying I would love to, and I'd be honored, and that made me feel really good. So, because yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. So I, it was, it was, it was an honor to have all those great people be willing to do so, it, even the ones that didn't get on. Uh, you know, it's it was still an honor for them to say they would. So great. So, and also, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Miley, and uh, you oh. obviously are too. Well, now I would have <laughs> smacked her upside the head if she'd have said no. And I'd have dragged her off a tour if she. <laughs> that was different with Molly. Molly was definitely going to be on it, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Molly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so she had what I thought was so interesting was recently she had um uh, sort of a video she put out basically talking about the that album that Wrecking Ball is from and that time in her life and she was so young and some of the criticism she got for all of that and everything and you always stood by her, which I thought was so. I mean, of course you have to, but at the same time, you love her. And what I want to know is like that, that song and you two doing it together is just so sweet. And hearing how Miley felt during that time, it makes that song even more powerful. I think, is there a reason why you two chose Wrecking Ball and does it hold any meaning for you? Uh, well, I wanted to do Wrecking Ball because I love that song and I love Miley and I love how she did it. We had uh, we did a, a combination of I'll Always Love You and Rick and Ball on her uh, New Year's show last year from Miami. Yeah. And it was well, I watched. After, it was after <laughs> that I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna record Rick and Ball and I'll I'll take the lead on it. You know, since it's on my album, but I want Miley on it. I want us to really be able to sing that song together and, and add a few little flavors of I Will Always Love You. But that was just my favorite of Miley's songs to, to you know, to date, or it was. 
Molly writes some great song. I love flowers. Now that she had that out, that yeah. was I know that's a great, but I love Molly. And I knew back then when she was going through all that, she's trying to find her footing. She was trying to, I mean, it could not be easy trying to overcome Hannah Montana. And she was just <laughs> trying to be Miley Cyrus. I, I, I saw that. I felt that. I knew that. And I loved her. And I would never, ever, ever say nothing bad about Molly because I know how gifted she is. Molly is amazing in every yeah. way. She's her. She could do anything she wants. She's a great actress, great singer. She writes great. But mm-hmm. she, I think she's the hot rock chick this day and time. Do you see any, I mean, in watching sort of even Miley's career in that moment and you guys collaborating the way you do with this in the, with this song, do you see any of your younger self and sort of Miley and what, how she's sort of done her career too? Like I see parallels between the two of you. Yeah, I see it. I feel it. And I think uh, that's natural. I've known her all her life and she's, you know, she's looked at me and looked to me, you know, for certain things. And uh, just like when I was doing this album, I was looking to her for certain things and suggestions. And she suggested the photographer and suggested certain people if I was going to do that. So, yeah, we're we're very close in that way. But, yeah, I see a lot of similarities in us in in many ways. I mean, I wish I had her legs, you know, and <laughs> I wish I had a lot of things Molly's got, but she got me, and that's enough yeah. for her. And she's yeah. so I'm. I, I hope someday we actually will get to do more things together, whether it's a movie or whether it's an album or whether it's just a TV show or something. I really think we're magical together. I would literally die if you did a TV show together. I would die. <laughs> I can't tell you. Once you did, but can we do it anyhow? Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I want to, the album features so many amazing women in rock. I mean, so many amazing women. I mean, Stevie, I mean, there's just so many great women on this album. Are there any women? Well, who are some of the women in rock that you admire and you looked to for inspiration on this album? Well, I admire all of them. Of course, uh, we had Pink and Brandy Carlisle on Satisfaction was, I, I think, turned out great. And I thought that introduction to me at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that Pink did was was amazing. I was very touched and moved by that. But then getting to sing with Stevie Nicks, I've always loved her. That was a great yeah. thrill. And Joan Jett, you know, one of the original girl rockers. In fact, I was kind of thinking of her when I wrote the song Rockstar. Uh, you know, the, the title song, cause I, I was yeah. thinking about like a little girl rocker, like, you know, doing, you know, standing in her dressing room and her mom and dad not wanting her to do it and, and all that. So I kind of had her in mind when I, when I was thinking about a girl that was going to grow yeah. up to be a rock and roller. But then we just had so many great people and I love Cheryl Crow and, and, uh, and Emily Lou Harris who sang with me. On, I wanted to do a tribute to Linda, who I loved. And, of course, we did the uh, You're No Good. And I chose that because that was one of my favorite Linda songs. And Linda's not able to sing anymore. But I wanted to get Linda. And then I thought, who's closest sister-like person? And then Cheryl Crow is great. And we all love her. She's so willing yeah. to do things. So, anyway, there was we had so – and Pat Benatar, she was amazing. Oh. And uh, – you know, and her her husband, they went in. Uh, they went in the Hall of Fame the same time I did, and uh, mm-hmm. so anyway, we had a lot of great, uh, great girls, and we had a lot of great guys. It's just a really good album because they they made it greater. I was hoping yeah. my, it would be good, but with having all those people, it's just amazing. 
Definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's a thing recently and that, that women in rock unjustly get sort of criticized sometimes. I mean, there's the Jan Winter comments about how they aren't articulate enough or intellectual enough, whatever that controversy that just happened. And I wanted to ask you, well, your response to that criticism of women in rock and sort of, sort of like Jan Winter's comments, but also the unjust sort of criticism that often women just in music in general sometimes get. Oh, I just don't think uh, women have got their just dues. Just like when I, just like everybody loves their songs though. When they do come out like Deborah Harry, when I did, uh, did the heart of glass on the song, I thought, what a, what a wonderful girl this is. What a wonderful woman and how great these women have been to stand up and be, you know, great at what they do, having their bands and getting out there performing, you know, equally as good as, as these rock stars. But I think that's been true through the years, whether you're in country music or whether you're in rock and roll, but you're going to always get some of that. But, um, I just, I, I had a bunch of brothers and, and my dad. And so I've, I've just always felt like I belonged wherever I just barreled yeah. right on through. And I thought, well, kick me out if you can. But I never even thought of it like that. But I've always been glad that I had a chance to to do my thing. And I think every every gifted person, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, but I really think it's great that women are doing being allowed to do so much more than yeah. than they used to get to do to get played on the radio. And so I, I never understood why that was so. But mm-hmm. we got a lot of great talented women like Linda Perry. Uh, you know, and the four non-blondes, the, the group that she started years ago, and I did the song What's Up with her. We did a little video, too. Yeah. But working with Linda and how she produces and how she works, I think, gosh, she is so smart. There's so many intelligent women, and I think we're getting more of a chance now than we used to in all the fields of music. But in rock, yeah. you know, there were a few of them, and there's a few more of them coming along now, like Molly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you ever, I mean, just considering sort of the unjust criticism that happens, did you ever early in your career face that sort of, I mean, it must have been hard to sometimes face that. Did you ever have like sexism or anyone sort of treating you or, you know, not playing your music just because you were doing your own thing in a different kind of way? Uh, I, I didn't have as much of of that trouble as a lot of them did. Like I said before, I came in here thinking, you know, that I, I didn't even think about it, that I was a woman or a man. I just came here because I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I knew I was a woman, but I mean, I wasn't thinking in those terms. And of course, I've been, you know, I've, I've seen my share of stuff and people hitting on me. Uh, but I never felt I had to sleep with anybody unless I wanted to, not to certainly get to the top, you know, to try to do anything like that. I figured that would be a bad choice to make to try to go about it that way. But I've only had songs not played on the radio at back in my young days, mostly because they were controversial, like a song mm. I had called The Bargain Store. It was just about a broken heart in my mind, like a broken life that, you know, it's just like the bargain store is open. Come inside. If you will, you know, it's like. You will, you know, like you'll be surprised to find how how good, you know, it really is. Just, you know, it's it's really about a broken heart. Like put the pieces together, and uh, it, it was like people said, "Well, oh, that's too suggestive." And I thought, "What?" Well, it never crossed my mind. I was just writing a clever song, and then I had a song called "Down from Dover," 
which was about a pregnant girl that, you know, they wouldn't play because she's out of wedlock. She had a baby and I had another one called the bridge. Same thing. So yeah. this, that's the only time that I realized they wouldn't play my record. Not because it was girl, but because I was writing songs back then that they're common now, but back then yeah. they wouldn't play them. Yeah. Considering sort of some of the amazing women that you have on this album, which is incredible. And like what sort of advice, considering that you you did live through those days where it was sometimes hard and dealing with some of the men in power and all of those things, did what sort of advice do you have for younger artists, sort of female artists, just sort of navigating and hearing comments like the Yon Winner comment and how to to sort of move on and still do what you want to do? Yeah, uh, yeah, I heard that comment. I was surprised that that came, you know, from Jan because I'd known him, you know, for years. And I thought, is that how you think about us? But uh, I don't know that I have advice as much as just to say you're going to hear that. But don't let that stop you. If you've got the talent, you just keep on, you know, keeping on. Be true to yourself and don't. Uh, don't let some, you know, just because one person might discourage you or promise you this, if you'll do that, don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else. If you're that good and you believe in yourself that much, somebody else will see it and they will take you for the right reasons. So you just have to keep on, but you know, don't you, you have, we have to sacrifice to some degree, uh, and we have to compromise, you know, to some degree to get anywhere in any business, but don't ever sacrifice, sacrifice your principles and your values and who you are and who you know you need to stay, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be true to yourself. That is such a, a statement I use over and over again, you know, that old, I guess, Shakespeare something to thine own self be true. Whoever said that yeah. was, you know, they said a mouthful <laughs> and I've used that. <laughs> so much you know to stay true to you and trust your gut trust your talent trust yourself and like i said if you want to sleep with them fine but don't sleep with them for the wrong reasons (laughs) yeah yeah exactly well the other thing that i love about this is that you're doing a rock album for the i mean you've done some rock songs in the past sure and like pop songs and all that but you're doing a full-on rock album for the first time in your career at this stage in your career when so often in the industry, especially in just in music, but also just, you know, in entertainment in general, women at your age and at this place in your career are sort of forced into retirement and forced into, you know, being in this kind of being invisible in a lot of ways. And you are out here doing a 40 song rock album, which is amazing. Like, have you ever felt the impact of or the judgment of ageism or anything that you've set out to do? Well, you can't be crippled by that. You're not going to stop the numbers, but you and you don't need to stop your flow, as they say. If if you're talented, your talent is going to last if your mind's still good and your body holds up. And, you know, if you're, I'm a creative person and uh, spirituality and creativity are the two things that keep me going. I always say I live on spiritual and creative energy, and I really do. But I don't think of myself in numbers of, of the years I oh every now and then I'll stop in my tracks and think oh my god in 10 years I'll be so and so years old I better get after it so I guess in a way I'm kind of making hay while the sun shines because right now for some unbeknownst reason to me you know I'm still hot and you know I think what you know so why not do good stuff uh, why not go it's like that's why when I wrote the uh, when I titled the 
album rock star it was kind of a joke it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek like yeah that's me the rock star at 77 years old i'm gonna do a rock album and it's like but it made sense to me it it made sense for me and to me and i thought well goodness gracious some of these songs i'm doing are that old and some of these artists i'm gonna ask to do it as old as i am you know some i'm older and so well a lot of people love those people a lot of people love those songs so why can't i be part of something that was once great that is still great and just kind of bring that back into focus but i didn't uh i did the album because they put me in the rock and roll hall of fame and i'm not one to miss out on great timing if i ever wanted to do it, i had a reason to do it yeah. so, and I, I wanted to feel like i'd earned my place in the rock and roll hall of fame for when i'm dead and gone i thought well at least when they say dolly Parton in the rock and roll hall of fame she is I wanted to say, yeah, did you never hear a rock album? You know, I wanted to be like that. So I'm yeah. never going to stop. I'm never going to stop dreaming. And as long as I'm healthy, as long as I want to do it, I'm willing to do it, and can get out there and do it, no telling what I might do tomorrow. Well, we don't want you to stop, so don't worry. You have, you have not. I'm not going to tell you to stop. I do have to ask you about the book because the book is so fun. I really enjoyed the book. And I wanted to know in just sort of – you know, reading about how you created your image and how you you sort of shaped the image that we know and love as Dolly. Did you ever did anyone ever, especially maybe early on, try to make you appear more conservative or to like dress a different way or change sort of your look because it wasn't the what a country female music artist is supposed to look like? Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, I did. When I first came to Nashville, I had several people tell me that nobody was going to take me serious if as a songwriter and a singer, because I looked too trashy. You know, I was looking too, you know, it was cheap looking and nobody was in over the top and over exaggerated and all that. But that was how that was kind of fit my personality. And I, I was not comfortable dressing down. You know, I felt too ordinary and I didn't want to feel ordinary. (laughs) I wanted to be extraordinary and I wanted to feel extraordinary and be extraordinary and so um, I didn't listen to them. I heard them, but I didn't listen. And so I didn't change it. In fact, usually when they tell me that, I'd even go out and be be worse at it. The hair get bigger and the rhinestones get shinier and whatever. But I know they were just trying to help. In fact, um, it was all good advice from people that loved me, people that cared about me, like Chet Atkins and Fred Foster, who gave me my first uh, record contract and publishing contract after i moved to nashville in 64 he just thought that that i could be pretty you know that i had the but i'm not a natural beauty so i i have to (laughs) when they tried to change me like that i didn't like the way i looked and i didn't like the way i felt i didn't like flat hair and you know conservative looking i thought oh i don't know her i don't want want that i'm not doing it (laughs) So I just went, I mean, that lasted about a week, you know, till they, he paid a lot of money to change my look and I just wasn't going to have it. Definitely. I mean, there's something about, I mean, you also write about like your time with Porter Wagner and sort of how in some ways you, I think you wrote like you were trying to be controlled, but you were never able to be controlled. Like no one could control you. And did you ever feel like both just in terms of your appearance, but also just in what you were trying to do that you were kind of being forced into a box or people were trying to force you into a box and that maybe it sounds like some men were probably intimidated by your star power and what you could actually do. 
Well, it's true. When I say I can't be controlled, I mean, I'm not. How can anybody control me when I can't even control myself? <laughs> I'll have to leave <laughs> myself right there, you know, in in my space to see what I never know what even I'm going to do. But I do know that I'm going to do what I feel that I'm capable of, of getting done. I mean, I have to be comfortable, in, you know, in my own skin. I have to be comfortable with how I work and where I'm at. I mean, I'm, I'm a good team player. I worked well, you know, with the Porter Wagner show and the band and all. I mean, I was a professional person. I was born a professional person because I'm a decent person, you know, and I had good parents and I grew up, you know, in the church. So I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't a drug addict or a drinker. So I knew how to how to work. It's just that I just burned with a, a passion and a desire within myself, with my gift that I thought God gave me. I was more determined to please God and to please myself than I was anything else. So I just always knew what was right for me. You know how they say you got to listen to your gut? You know, I have a gut feeling about this. I have a gut feeling about that. That just really means that feeling inside you that says, hey, this is you and you do this. You're not going to be comfortable doing that, so don't do that. You won't be your best if you do that. You know, so you, you have to learn to listen to yourself. So that was, I was always, and even to this day, I'm a good team player, but you're not going to push me around and you're not going to yeah. make me change my mind about something I already know is true for me. Definitely. One of the things that I thought was so interesting is, you know, in, in the book, you write about this, about sort of you getting ready on the movie set and like how you're always going to look like Dolly. And you even said once about like talking about uh, you had a quote saying, if I see something sagging, bagging a dragon, I'm going to have it nipped or tucked or like all whatever the quote was. It was so I find it. Yeah. Yeah. I find it so refreshing how open you are about so many of these things. I wanted to know, where do you find the confidence to be honest, not only about aging, which, of course, like you said, you can't fight the numbers, but also how to like maintain your beauty and just be open about sort of being you. Well, Lord, I don't uh, I don't know who else to be. And myself is very open. I think if I do something, you're going to pretty much get caught at it anyhow. So if people know about it, why, why not use that to help somebody else? You know, if I can say if if I say that I've done something, I would say, well, yes, but if you're going to do something, you make sure you have a good doctor. You make sure you you don't go to the, you know, the phone booth and just pick a plastic surgeon. You know, don't just get, you know, if you're going to do it. So I'm just open about it. It's some of my best comedy, but it's not something I like to talk about. But yeah. my life's pretty open. You know, I have my inner secrets and I have my inner space that nobody or no thing could ever touch. But um, but I'm open as far as what people need to know and should know and what I'd like them to know about me. So those kind of things are not uh, embarrassing to me. I've done it. I'll do it again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I I think that I'm I think I'm doing it to. To help others that may need something done or or feel bad about it or want to, you know, you don't need to go out and tell everything you do. But like yeah. you say, with me, uh, people are going to find it out anyhow, so why not just go for it? Go with it. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a quote. I forget what I've I've, I've spoken with uh, Jane and Lily before about sort of just their time with you and working on nine to five and all the things you guys have done together. And there's a quote that. I forget Jane or Lily said, but they said that they've never seen you not be 
Dolly, basically. Like you're you're always Dolly. And it's I want to know where are well, are there moments where you're kind of like not done up as Dolly? Like, do you do you ever sometimes like and then if you have to go somewhere, do you ever go somewhere not as Dolly? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, of course, no, I don't stay dressed up like this at the house. And, uh, you know, of course, I've got my downtime. There's like I've always said, there's a lot to be said about your comfort zone. But if I'm going to be going out, out, I'm going to clean up. I'm going to get dressed up because I don't want to be like some of the people I see, some of the stars I'll see that come on the set with hair rollers and clear seal daubs on their faces and, you know, in their flat shoes and their robe. And it's like, Lord, I would die for, I would do that. You know, it's like, that's, I would be embarrassed to do it, but I don't mind that they do it. And I understand that's their comfort zone. But for me, if I'm going to be out in public, if I, I want to be a star, so I think, well, I'm going to look like one, but I've got my comfortable things that I wear. And of course, I don't always stay all dressed up, but I usually put on a little makeup and fix my hair in case something happens in the middle of the night. I'm going to get out and, you know, I don't want to have to get out in the streets. And when I was living in L.A., some, uh, I'd always leave my makeup on and uh, keep my hair pretty much done a little bit in case there came an earthquake and I had to hit the streets and I'd be out in the streets of Channel 4 covering the, the neighborhood. <laughs> Here I am in the rollers <laughs> and the clear seal and the flat shoes. <laughs> So I that just could happen. That's not me. No, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I do, though, fix up if I'm going to go out. I want to look like Definitely. Dolly in case somebody sees me. I'd rather them say, do you see Dolly? She didn't have to wear all that makeup to go to the supermarket rather than to say, God, did you see Dolly Parton? She looks like a hell. You know, <laughs> I would rather I'd rather be extreme than to go the other way. <laughs> Definitely. I totally hear that. Oh, the other thing, too, I mean. You know, you are now, especially with this album and the book and so many things, but also just where you are in your career, you are kind of considered a national treasure. I mean, you are revered. You're one of the few artists that, like like I said at the beginning, that everybody kind of loves and reveres. I wanted to know, does that sort of love and sort of just reverence that we have for you, do you ever feel like there are moments you don't want to be national treasure, Dolly, you know? Well, I'm trying not to think about it because when people put you guy on a pedestal like that, it's kind of scary if you think about it. You know, it's like, well, I'm no angel. Like you said, you watch the show. I'm no angel. I just play one on TV. But <laughs> I just try to do my best. And uh, I don't I don't see that for myself. I don't I don't believe in idol gods and I don't want nobody worshiping me either. You know, I just really I just do my work. I do my thing. And that's just how it's become. But it can be a burden if I thought about it. It could, it could worry me if I thought about it. But I try not to think about it. It's like I, like I say, <laughs> I don't know where that all came from. But I think it's because I'm older than the Washington Monument. You know, it's like you, <laughs> when you're as old as I am, people kind of, you know, how they say respect your elders. I, I sometimes think it's mostly about that I'm that I'm older. But I've lived a lot and I've done a lot of things, and people kind of have grown up with me. They they think of me almost like someone in the family, like I'm a favorite aunt or, or somebody that they've just always kind of known. So I think it's a lot of that. I analyze it sometimes and I try to not, you know, think about it too deep, but, but I'm honored yeah. and I'm, I'm thrilled. Cause I used to think uh, when I was younger, that if I ever made it, 
and made it big that I wondered how I would be remembered when I was old. Well, now I'm old, and now I can see how I've been remembered so far, so I just hope I can keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I have a friend who says that you are like family, and we go re- we go regularly to Dollywood to visit Dolly. I mean, it's like you, that's, it's, it's like a, it's what people, how people feel about you, you know? Well, I'm honored and I'm flattered and God's been good to me and the fans have been good to me. I've had a lot of wonderful help through the years. People helping me yeah. get in the position I am with my career and, and still do. I still have a lot of great people that surround me that, you know, that support me and, and make things right for me and all that. But, um, I'm the one who has to get out there and try to sell it, you know, and try to, and yeah. I try to, I'm the one that has to create, you know, most of the, you know, creative force but i wouldn't get any of that done if i didn't have a great team you know helping me out but i've always been grateful for that and so i think so much of it i've been made to look good because of a whole lot of people's great work but i just try to uphold my end of it my end of the bargain let's say and you have i mean there's i just and i just have a few more questions but there's that's one that is a perfect segue into something that i've I love about you so much is when I went and got my first COVID vaccine, right? I went to, I went to CVS here in Los Angeles and I said, I want the Dolly Vax. I need the Dolly Vax, which of course I was talking about Moderna. And I, I, and since then I always have to get the Dolly Vax. I mean, that's what it is to me. So in a lot of ways I'm better because of you, but you, your, your, your philanthropic sort of work, especially with Vanderbilt with that, but also you did it with, you know, so many different other things. I mean, you've given a million for pediatric infectious disease research. Like you've done so much. Do you have another donation plan, for example, with, with Vanderbilt, but also what's next for you philanthropically? Like what, what are you looking to do and to give back? Well, I keep my heart and my eyes, my ears wide open, trying to see what the greatest needs are. And uh, Jeff Bezos gave me that, you know, hundred million dollars to donate. Uh, but I've always donated my own money as well. But I think if you get in a position to help, you should. But I've, uh, I like doing things with, for and with children and young people. You know that I, with just like with their imagination library, but with with the. Uh, like he was talking about the children's research, I still invest in that every year, the uh, research for uh, infectious diseases in children. I have one of my little nieces that had leukemia, and they saved her, you know, uh, through God's will and and the doctors at Vanderbilt. They saved her, and so now I have the Hannah Dennison butterfly garden over there, and every year, uh, you know, where I donate the money for for kids. But I'm going to always do something, and I I'm always led, but I don't always advertise it. I don't really like, you know, unless it's just something that just you see what we're doing, like with the fires and all that, or the uh, the infectious diseases, or the Moderna vaccine. Uh, I do a lot of stuff. There's a scripture in the Bible: "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand does." Well, I try. You know, there's a lot of stuff that that we do that we don't supposed to do everything for publicity, but. We get publicized a lot, but I'll be always trying to fill a need when I see it. Yeah. Well, one area that, and I just have two more questions for you. One area that a moment in my life, I should say that when I watched you sing traveling through at the Oscars and it was the aughts and I was a young gay person and I knew exactly what the song meant and I knew exactly the movie it was meant from. And it, 
And not a lot of people did, I don't think, watching. And because it was so early in, you know, gay rights wasn't necessarily like on everyone's topics and trans rights and all of those things. And it meant so much to hear you, Dolly Parton, the person we know and loved our whole lives, to be singing that song for queer people. I mean, in general, we saw that and we were like, she's there for us. And now things have gotten polarized in a way that is sometimes uncomfortable, even with just like the teacher who got fired for wanting to perform one of your songs, the Rainbowland song at, at school. And I want to know, how does it feel for you personally when something that you've done, because you're all about acceptance and love and, and just spreading love, when something that you've done is used in a way that is made to feel wrong? And does it ever feel like uncomfortable or personal to you when something like that happens. Well, it always hurts you and it hurts you more because of what they do to other people. And by the way, that traveling through was about transgender. That was that yeah. movie from Transamerica. And it was, of course, it covered all that whole, whole thing. But I just try to, like I say, leave my heart open and hope people can just learn to love more. I just, I just love people. I try to see the good in everybody. I don't judge. I just accept people as they are, just like my song, whatever you are, be that. Whatever you do, do that. Anything else is just an act. So whoever you are, whatever you are, be that. And we can't help being who we are. And I don't know why people just can't accept people as they are. And I will always, uh, just be there for people. doesn't matter. That's not just about the gays or transgenders. It's about anybody. If that's who you are, that's who you are. Anybody going to change it. Only God can change it and you can change it. Just accept things. I try not to condemn, you know, or condone anything. I just accept yeah. things and try to, to make things uh, better when and where I can. Yeah. I've always had a, a gay following and they've always been very good and, and generous to me. And my drag queens, like I said, when they asked me about that, when they were having all the trouble here in Tennessee, I said, Lord, I got every, everybody you just talked about in my own family, in my own circle of friends. You know, we got yeah. the drunks, we got, we got gays, we got lesbians, we've got trans, we've got, you know, most people do. They just don't realize it or they just won't accept it. But I just, I am not a judgmental person. I, Lord, I just want to be accepted myself. Always have been. I've always been an oddball. And if, you know, if I can be accepted, I can accept anybody else. Yeah, definitely. Well, my last question for you, and this is one that has meant a lot to me for a long time. And I'm very, I'm very passionate about this and it makes me angry. I, you have, you have won every award under the sun, every single award. You are the one of the most awarded person in the world. You have gotten it all except one that makes me very angry, the Academy Award. The the level of anger that I had when you don't win, I mean, the fact that you did not win an Oscar for nine to five, it just, it, it makes me very angry. Do you, do you care about winning an Oscar as much as I care about you winning an Oscar? <laughs> Evidently not, because I didn't get mad about it. <laughs> I was honored to be nominated. Of course, everybody wants to win. Uh, you know, you, you do want to win, but I never did work for, you know, for the awards. I just want to do good work. And if I get it, I'm tickled to death, you know, if I win an award. But when I don't, I'm not a sore loser. You know, I think, well, it just wasn't my time. It just wasn't meant to be. But I don't put too much stake in that. It's more important that I do my work and that I do it well. And if I get nominated, that's great. Just the fact that I've been recognized. And if I win, that's even greater. But I don't I don't get mad about it because every everybody everybody's just good as you are when you're working with that bunch of people. 
I mean, with greatness like that, anybody could win. And yeah. so I don't think of it like you do. But yeah. thank well, you for loving I, me that much. Of <laughs> course, because all I want is for you to get on stage, hold the Oscar and make a joke about a little gold naked man and that you're next to a little gold naked man. That's all I want, because I know you'd make a great joke about well, it. When I get nominated, I will say, well, I'm so happy to have this little gold naked man. <laughs> he looks gay to me. <laughs> 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 oh, Dolly. Well, thank you so much for okay. taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate it. It's meant the world to me and everyone at Newsweek. We've all, everyone's been very jealous that I get to be talking to you. So we're so grateful that you took the time. Well, you tell them all I said, Hattie, and I will talk to you <laughs> later. I have no words. For once in my life, I am speechless, which is a first. <laughs> I really do hope you enjoyed that. And, you know, on this episode especially, if you really did enjoy this episode and you enjoyed my chat, I would appreciate if you let me know. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything, but also leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast because this was a big one and I want you guys to be happy with it. <laughs> so, for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at Newsweek.com, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. Until then... Go watch a Dolly movie, listen to a Dolly album, have a Dolly day.